Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host Jared White. It is episode 209. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Dominic Orlando. Jared, I wish you would tell me why the PlayStation 5 is so darn big. <laughs> oh, nice. I see what you did there. Yeah, so this week we're going to be talking about the PlayStation 5 teardown that came out out of nowhere, really. Uh, we're going to be talking about Tell Me Why Chapter 3, the conclusion of our video game book club, our first ever one, and some smaller news. I mean, in reality, it was a pretty slow news week. Um, we're probably going to get through the you know the bulk of the video game news itself, including the PlayStation 5 stuff rather quickly. And then we'll be talking about Tell Me Why, the conclusion of that game. Um, yeah, it's it's bittersweet. Obviously, we'll talk about pacing and whether or not we liked it being three chapters and the narrative in general and all that good stuff. But we got some other news to get to. Uh, first up, I thought this was pretty cool. Uh, I know neither of us are Mortal Kombat 11 players, but they announced the Combat Pack 2, which is going to be adding Rambo, Rain, and uh, Melina. So Melina and Rain are two characters that people have wanted for a while to be in the game. A lot of people were mad that Rain just wasn't in the base game itself. And adding Rambo kind of goes in line with them adding RoboCop and all these other 80s characters, Terminator. The funny thing is the Rambo character in Mortal Kombat 11 is going to be voiced by Sylvester Stallone. Oh, nice. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, do it right. Yeah. Out of all the colorful ninjas in Mortal Kombat, Rain's actually my favorite. He's the purple one. Um, he's really cool. Uh, obviously, it's a homage to um, Prince because it's you know purple rain. Rain is purple, um, and then obviously a lot of people like Melina too. Out of all of the like princess characters, um, that's pretty much it. Like I said, neither of us are big Mortal Kombat people, but the Combat Pack Two coming out, they also had the breakdown of how you can get your next gen upgrade uh, and the announcement of the Ultimate Edition, which kind of includes all of the DLC. It's a little confusing because they just worded all in a single like message. Uh, but basically the way it works is if you have the regular Mortal Kombat 11, you can upgrade via purchasing one of the DLC packs. And then obviously you can upgrade to the next gen version of that. If you don't have any of those, you can buy the season pass essentially that includes all of the DLC. That'll upgrade you to the Ultimate Edition. Or you can just buy the Ultimate Edition on next gen as well. So if you want to read into that more, if you care, look into that as well. But it's it's confusing based on how they word it when you lay it all out. It's actually not too confusing. Next up, in Deborah Wilson news, if you're not familiar with Deborah Wilson, the reason I'm including this specifically is because she's one of our favorite now prolific video game voice actresses. Um, she was in, obviously, Star Wars Fallen Order. She was in Wolfenstein. Oh. And she was in Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Hey, click. I'm like, who is this again? And then yeah. as soon as you said uh, uh, Fallen Order, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. She's known for older uh, people as uh, one of the main cast members of Mad TV, which is a sketch comedy show similar to SNL. Um, yeah, fantastic actress. She's making waves now in the video game industry. And I thought it was cool that she was announced today to be in a new video game. And that video game is Bug Snacks. Yes, you heard that right. She's going to be voicing a character named Shell the Smellywag, which is like, I think they're Crocodile Hunter-esque type character in the game. Uh, they announced the entire voice cast, which is really cool. It also includes Peter Parker, which we talked about last week from Marvel Spider-Man, a.k.a. Yuri Lowenthal. And they also announced that the game is confirmed to be a launch title. Up until this point, we didn't know if it was actually launching alongside the PlayStation 5. It is now confirmed. It is coming out November 12th on PS5 and PS4, Dom. So, as someone, like I've mentioned before, because Miles is coming out on the PS4, I might jump into this as well because early previews are saying this is... You know, they said it was influenced by Pokemon Snap and Pokemon in general, and it seems a lot of the gameplay elements are that. Like, you're going out and trying to catch specific bug snacks, doing certain things, um, trying to find out when special colors or versions of them pop out, right? So it's like catching Pokemon. Uh, you're taking pictures of them. But it has that, like, that weird, mysterious, dark undertone of what's really going on here. Is this, like, all a facade? Is this the Truman Show, right? Um, so I'm really interested to see what how that goes. I don't remember what the price is. I'm pretty sure this is like a forty dollar title, right? Like a I budget title. I think it's title. cheap. I yeah. know I saw on like Epic Game Store it was like twenty, but things are usually cheaper on that store, so it's still thirty or forty seems like realistic. Yeah, I might end up actually picking this up because it's coming to PS4 or maybe PC as well because it's piqued my interest with the early previews. Um, but yeah, good stuff with Deborah Wilson. Uh, we're, we'll likely, obviously, you know, spoilers, but we'll likely see her in the, the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, we assume anyways, who knows. Um, 
And with, I mean, she's been in three AAA titles. I could assume that we're going to see her in a lot a, a more. My dream, Dom, is I hope she's one of the the main um, partners or companions in Dragon Age 4. That'd be really cool because there is that working relationship with EA now, right? So that'd be really dope. Um, but yeah, Deborah Wilson's awesome. Uh, I'm glad that she's, you know, we're used to the Troy Bakers, Nolan Norths, Laura Bailey's, and they're phenomenal actors and actresses themselves. But I like now that we're seeing other people get this track record. Um, and like I said, she's been known since before voice acting in video games. Um, but it's really cool to see her because she does such a good job. Um, let's get into this PlayStation 5 teardown. So PlayStation, kind of out of nowhere, released an official teardown video of the PlayStation 5. And in it, we learned quite a bit. Here's what we found out about the next-gen console. So I'm going to go through these things, and we can talk about them as slowly or as quickly as possible, Dom. So first up, we got the official measurements of the console. And for me, the most interesting one out of all of them is the height. We've been wondering, how big is this thing? You see it next to this guy that's going to be tearing it down, and it's a huge <laughs> console. It's a chonker. Like, like this, that, might be, that guy might be a small man, maybe. But even still, that thing is the size of his torso, like like waist to shoulders. <laughs> That's how big this thing is. And exactly. It looks like when you, because we're finally seeing it like in the context like of a person, right, or someone putting their hands on it for the first time, as far as I can think. Um, and it is just like it looks really big. It's kind of funny so looking. Official measurements: it's 15 inches tall. And to put that into perspective, the Xbox Series X is around 10 and a half inches tall. Obviously, it's a different shape completely. Um, but in terms of just pure height, 50 inches, that's obviously more than a foot by three inches. Big boy. Um, even by volume, uh, the PlayStation actually is larger than the Xbox Series X as well, which you might not assume because the Xbox Series X is shorter and fatter, right? And the PlayStation is a lot taller and it looks slimmer, but because it's so tall and so deep, it actually has a lot more volume to it. Uh, it is a big boy. Um, other than that, we're wondering, okay, this is big because it needs to have air vents. It needs to cool down the system. These systems are, are going to be pushing out a lot of power. The system's going to get hot. It needs to be cooled properly. And on top of a giant heat sink, uh, which takes up like almost half of the console, which is not surprising for, you know, PlayStation wanting to over-engineer because of the loud fans and everything going on with the PS4 Pro, they have a liquid metal thermal cooling solution. So instead of going with pure thermal paste, which we've known companies to go for for a while they went with liquid metal cooling right and the thing with this is it provides stellar performance in terms of cooling actually better than regular thermal paste but it's a big risk right it's high risk high reward because if any of this even a drop even a minuscule nothing touches any other part of the system it'll fry it almost instantaneously so when you see this it not only is it liquid cooled there is a reservoir around it to try to catch any spillage that might happen on top of uh, the spongy outer lining that's pretty thick, actually, um, that is, you know, put there in place to hold everything in. Um, and that, that's the interesting thing is we haven't seen this before in a console. Um, it's very innovative. Uh, they spent a lot of time figuring out the solution for this because, like I said, if liquid metal touches anything else, it's very dangerous. Um, and something we, we were talking about off podcast on when this first came out is you had mentioned like well yeah you know this is one of the things that with the ps4 pro or ps4 people were just replacing the thermal paste to get better performance right now with this this isn't something that your joe schmo could do like you can't just oh, apply right. liquid cooling you know liquid metal cooling <laughs> uh, what do you think about this in terms of if there is problems moving forward it can't be a, a consumer fix as easily if they were just to use thermal paste yeah, and even the th like, I never even wanted to do the thermal paste stuff. Like, um, even that is like real, really tricky and complicated to to redo, right? In the in the PS4. So this is, yeah, this is something like a person probably, or you know, a regular person could never, you know, I don't know. It's a, uh, it sound like when they presented it and they talk about it, it sounds really cool and really high tech, you know, like really fancy and like liquid metal. Like that sounds badass, right? Like <laughs> even if you don't know what it is, I guess. Um, but when yeah like like you did a little bit of research into it and it's like it's cool and it performs well but like potentially like if there's a problem it's a big problem right so uh hopefully you know they they buttoned all their buttoned all their something i don't know cross their t's other t's and dotted all their eyes yeah um, like they really tested this out and you know as well as possible so and but uh hmm. 
and it you know it, xbox is going for vapor vapor chamber cooling right it's a different they kind of get to the same place but differently and the problem with both of them uh or potential problem with both the playstation 5 and xbox series x is we can sit here and think like these are giant corporations that you know spend so much money in r d figuring out solutions to make these consoles work but the problem is you don't know on a grand scale until the consoles actually release right when they're in millions of homes getting played yeah. for millions of hours how exactly things are going to shape out and the thing too is both of these companies one way more so in my opinion than the other is in a place now where they need to over engineer these things and they need to fix things because of past mistakes. I'm talking about Xbox, right? The red ring of death was terrible. I think they have that as a, a kind of a, a, a red X on their record in terms of being a console manufacturer. And I think they have done a good job of over engineering their stuff to never have that problem again. So my assumption is we shouldn't have to worry about that. And then on PlayStation side, I don't think it's as egregious of a mistake, but we've heard about the loud jet engine sounds of the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 4 Pro. And I think the whole reason why their console is huge is the over-engineering to make sure it is cooled properly, right? I, I, I don't think we'll see any crazy problems with it, but in terms of specifically cooling, I think PlayStation has a higher chance of failure because of how bad it can be Whereas if Xbox's heating solution isn't as great, it won't be as catastrophic on the system. You know what I mean? Um, but we'll see. Yeah, hopefully, it, hopefully it's fine. Yeah, you, like you said, we we assume and kind of hope and like give them the benefit of the doubt at this point. Like they're they're veterans of this shit. Um, even though this is incredibly complicated, like you're putting a crazy powerful PC in what is still you know a pretty compact box. Um, if you were to build a PC and like ask for tips and stuff and like you're building it in a big tower with lots of space a lot of like you know open space in those things uh, just because that's just the easiest way to do it with the least amount of risk for failure right but for consoles it's like it's a whole different ball game and like you said once there's millions and millions of them out there like things can happen and they don't necessarily get treated well like maybe people who live in you know hotter areas or things like that or like humid or whatever you know there's a lot of variables that once these things are out there um anything can happen they really need to be like designed with the intention of just absolute like reliability but hopefully that's the case and these things are good to go yeah let's talk about something that's really cool and has a lot of potential if sony takes advantage of it and that's those removable flaps um in this teardown we saw him pop those bad boys off like they were nothing right uh and it made people gather these thoughts of man not only could this be cool if Sony does custom consoles or custom panels you can buy and then pop on, right? This is going to be really cool for the modding community. These third-party retailers or sellers or individual artists on maybe Etsy or, or eBay or something, right? That you can commission and you can get these custom art pieces or art panels for your PlayStation 5. Or you can, if PlayStation doesn't do black ones, you can just do like a matte finish on these bad boys if you know how to spray paint or, you know what I mean, paint on on this type of material it opens up a lot of stuff with that what did you think when you saw how easily these things were able to be popped off and the possibilities of customization both from sony and third party same same thing you just said like i i'm not like i'm still not like in love with the design of this thing with the white um it's still it hasn't grown on me like i hoped it would yet hopefully when i get it it will start to um compared to like the series x like at first i thought it was like weird and ugly and that thing grew on me a lot now i really like the look of it um but yeah i don't i'm not in love yet with yet the the white flap so i'm ready to put some black flaps on that thing (laughs) it sounds funny (laughs) let it fly (laughs) Um, yeah like it'll just look so much cooler um to me i hope that that's not something i just thought of this now because we were talking about uh the ssd we'll get to later but hopefully like putting on custom flaps doesn't like void your warranty or anything weird like that i could kind of see that as a something sony might get pissy about um especially if it was custom painted like oh well it got hot and the paint you know some weird shit like that I, i'm just kind of worried about that now um and maybe that's not a big concern but uh yeah i'm, I'm excited a smart for the consumer you could just keep like uh, the standard pair right and then when you talk to <laughs> breaks, talk to them you'd back. be like yeah i just it stopped <laughs> yeah. working um yeah, yeah. who knows it, it's really cool though and there's a lot of possibility there and i hope um that you know people take advantage of that whether sony or these third-party artists because it's just another avenue for artists to work with consumers in a really cool way next up this is something that me you and often guest of the show chris noons 
uh, got into a little conversation about on Discord, Dom, when this teardown came out, which was the expandable storage, right? So on the PlayStation, it's internal, um, which is surprising to me. I don't know if it's surprising to you. I always assumed that their solution was going to be the same as the Xbox in terms of it being a memory card in the back. And I don't know why I had that assumption. I just thought, well, okay, Xbox is doing this PlayStation they announced the expandable storage and how they're going to be working with specific retailers to approve ones, right? And in my mind, I was like, okay, they're doing a memory card solution too, but that's not the case. And the conversation we had is I presented the, the idea that I just think that Xbox's solution is way easier, which I don't know how you can... That's not necessarily what you were arguing or Chris, because it's you know slotting a memory card in the back. But for me, I felt that it was just an unnecessary step Sony is making consumers do. And I don't know if the average consumer is going to want to do that, right? And then obviously you and Chris talked about, well, you know, we've done it. It's not that difficult. But then we also had a discussion of, well, are we the average consumer? Probably not. Would people do it? You can Google YouTube videos to figure it out. Um, yeah, I just want to know where you stand on that after we both had some time to think about it. What are your opinions on them committing again to internal storage in terms of expansion? So I'm glad what you mentioned first about what you thought it was going to be because I like ever since uh, like the Cerny thing months ago, I already knew like I already had the assumption that this is what it was going to be. And then especially after seeing the console, because they said like this is uh, going to work with the standard NMV, whatever it is, the same SSDs that you could slot into a motherboard on a computer. So that to me, I was like, oh, well, it's going to be well, like not underneath. standard. It had, they had to be specifically approved by Sony because they had to reach a certain speed threshold. Yeah, standard in uh, like size or format like it could fit on a motherboard yeah, motherboards. yeah that's yeah. what i mean by standard right um and not you know a nice easy usable memory card like xbox did which like i mean it's a it's way way more elegant solution to be able to just slide that thing in the back of the console um but yeah and then it's but i like knew like that's how it was going to be and then once we saw the, the the design of the ps5 i was like and then once you see the back of it it's like oh yeah like it's gonna have to be something where you're unscrewing the whole top piece of this or something like i I knew that for sure i so this didn't surprise me at all um but yeah it's it's not as nice it's not as easy as as the xbox solution for sure and it it's just like less like sony did less engineering to make this easier for people it's less convenient yeah because like they could have taken extra steps to like you know make it a slot on the back they could have done all that but this probably saved them you know money or like you know design and engineering to just like oh, i'll just make it a slot in there and it won't be proprietary it'll just be the standard thing um that can just go right in it's a little bit trickier but um yeah no one wants to do it i don't want to do it i'd rather have it just a slot in the back <laughs> right think, um yeah. do you think the reason is because their focus when engineering the console was on cooling and not on like some of those convenience factors of having the external the, the, the expandable being external or you know what i mean maybe that was Probably. their focus yeah, yeah. Uh, this was probably just something that it, it was just lower on the list or they you know just never thought of it or yeah didn't prioritize it um and it's it's not great <laughs> but it's doable it's just going to take a little bit of extra work and two things i want maybe more than two things i want to clarify some stuff because this has obviously started a flame war in terms of fandom and all that stuff right it's a couple things one uh with the playstation they're going to be approving all of these things but it seems like there's going to be quite a bit of options to choose from once they figure out who's approved, right? Two, it's still unclear if any of these will be available at launch. We assume not because Sony hasn't approved any yet. So that's interesting. Three, Xboxes is proprietary, but uh, Jason Ronald, the engineer of the console, recently came out on Twitter and said that they're actually working with other partners to, to make other not only sizes, but other manufacturers to not just Seagate. So the assumption there is maybe Seagate struck a partnership with Microsoft to have like the first ones available at launch, right? That's, that seems like the assumption. So though they're proprietary, it seems like there will be plenty of options for people moving forward, which is also good. And not just one terabyte, but two terabyte. There the, was one the, I the saw, ne- and it's not officially approved yet, but like it was one that supposedly will work with PlayStation, and then but it was in the other direction. It was a 500 gigabyte which is an interesting thought because to me, I'm like, ah, it's just not worth it though. You might as well get a terabyte at least. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's a good point. Like Xbox will probably have smaller sizes uh, too, even, which is good to have options, I guess. Uh, the next point I want to make is these will get cheaper over time. Cause that's just how memory mm-hmm. is. So if you think like, Whoa, the $200 price point is a little steep. I'm going to wait. You should, cause they will get cheaper. Three, 
the PlayStation solutions at launch will be just as expensive as Xboxes. Now, because they're not solely proprietary being manufactured into this memory card thing, those prices will probably go down quicker than the Xboxes. But like Ronald said, there's going to be various options, sizes, and manufacturers, which means they're going to be competing for price as well, right? So at the end of the day, the consumer wins. With all that being said, I think it's just a wait-and-see approach in terms of expanding your storage. Um, the one thing we don't know still is how much uh, accessible memory the PlayStation 5 will have because we already know now that the Xbox Series X will have 800 gigs out of the one terabyte, right? I think it's like 820 um, specifically. With the PlayStation, we know it's 825 gigabytes as uh, the whole SSD, but we still don't know what's usable. The assumption is, okay, probably 600, right? If you do the math of Xbox is taking up 200 gigs, Sony's is probably going to take up 200 gigs. That hasn't been confirmed yet, so who knows? And in that case, Dom, I could see a case for somebody maybe going for the 500 gig external because if you're sitting at 600 to get the 500, you go up to a terabyte, and it's like what you would assume or expect out of an X-Gen console. So I get wanting to get it um but yeah so it was um in this particular one that i was look that i saw and it was like it was 150 dollars for the the 500 gigabyte expansion and at that point it's like i eh, just pork over the extra 60 bucks to double it you know what <laughs> i mean but if it's gonna but 60 bucks is 60 bucks so i yeah it could be worth it it's like a game right why pay for the more storage when i can use that for a game who knows uh and lastly, the stand, right? So the stand requires a screwdriver to set up if you're going to stand it vertically. Um, but if you're going to stand it horizontally, what you do is you unscrew the stand, you pop the screw into this holder in the stand itself, and then you clip the the stand onto the side of the PlayStation 5 in a really weird way. And then it sits on top of that. Because remember, due to the, the dimensions of this thing, you can't just sit it on its side like the Xbox where you can just tilt it over. It'll wobble. And the thing that was surprising me that I guess I never noticed either, Dom, this is me not paying attention, is I didn't know it also needed to stand to stand vertically. I guess I just never paid attention. Because um, obviously you could tell it needed to stand sideways because it was curved. But I guess I never paid attention. Did it always have the stand on the bottom? Did I just always miss that? I'm pretty sure, like even in those first reveal trailers, it had it on there. I'm pretty confident. I guess I just never paid attention. That's on me. Um, the one thing I will say that's a bummer for here's the thing so the playstation stand is removable but you need it in either position so it's removable to change the orientation but it's that's you know what i mean you can't just not use it the xbox has a stand too that's not removable and i saw some people complaining about it but to me i'm like i mean they're both like you need them both essentially one that's connected always and the other one that's not it would be cool if you could remove the the xbox one uh, but I wonder if that's that way they can keep the bottom cooling solution the same as well and not have to worry about engineering something if people were to pop that off. You know what I mean? Like having that permanent allows them to do some things because they know it's always going to be on the console. So that's probably my what I assume is the deal there. Um, yeah. Other than that, they tore the rest of the console apart and, you know, did all that stuff. Wasn't anything else of note to me personally? I don't know if there's anything I didn't mention that you wanted to mention real quick, Dom. Not really. I mean, that. They, they emphasize, yeah, it's big, so it can be quiet, and there's foam around the Blu-ray j- drive to make that quieter. The heat oh, the dust thing. I didn't cover the dust thing. Oh, yeah, good point. Uh, I, do you know about that? Because I just saw headlines yeah. about it. I didn't actually read into it. Yeah, so I'll go ahead then, because uh, this I actually thought was cool if it works how they uh, were uh, describing it. Um, so on PS4, like I did this once where I, I opened them up and cleaned out all the dust from it, and it was kind of tricky. Um, cause like all the crap gets into the little fan blades and all around it. And if you really, like, you could really take it all the way apart to truly get all the dust out. And it was, you know, that's, it was, it was a bit complicated and, and the thing got dusty, um, for the PS5, they, they highlighted just taking off one of those flaps revealed these two little, uh, two, maybe there was three or four little holes where supposedly like it was right. The dust catcher was right there and you could just use a vacuum to suck the dust right out of those holes and. And the sounds of it would be way simpler um, uh, to get that done. So hopefully that works uh, how they advertise, and it you know more dust doesn't get into the fan and into the rest of the system because of that. So yeah, and because those those panels are so easily like removed, the flaps uh, it'll make it a dream to get in there if it works the way it's intended, right? And marketed. So that's really so it, cool. it's kind of it's kind of like the flip of what we were just talking about, where they didn't spend much time on making the the memory expansion more accessible for people but they did spend a lot of time apparently making cleaning the dust out easier for people <laughs> yeah. you know 
Okay. Which is Whatever. probably was likely a problem they saw of the PS4 getting too dusty and people not being able to clean it. So they're like, okay, well, if people are going to complain about dusting. Let's give them a solution that works, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, next up, for all you trophy hunters out there, we got some trophy updates. Um, both pretty cool, especially if you're really into getting them trophies. So the first one, the trophy level system is going from uh, 1 to 100 to 1 to 999. And there's going to be new icons. And obviously, somebody who's primarily Xbox doesn't play a lot of PlayStation or is a trophy hunter. I'm an achievement guy. From what I've seen, the, the really cool thing about this is that because the levels were just 100 of them, the level scaling was really difficult. And by the time you got to like the 30s and 40s, there was just so little progress being made that it kind of was like a bummer. You never saw, you know, that number going up. And with these type of systems and almost anything they're implemented into leveling systems, you want to have it paced well because it's that sense of accomplishment and getting better at something right so from them moving it to 100 levels to 999 the scaling shifts so you'll be able to move up in levels a lot easier than it was before and there's um various tiers there's a bronze tier silver tier gold tier and then the platinum tier is when you hit 999 so it's going to let people feel as if they're making progress with their trophies Um, as somebody who loves getting trophies dom especially in the from games what does this do for you? Do you like the level change in terms of scaling and everything? Yeah, that sounds really cool. The level, the like for me, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I forgot that there's a level. I'm not sure what level I am because it, um, it so seldom changes. So maybe this is what, what I needed to pay more attention to the actual level. I paid attention to like how many Platinums I had because um, it you know it has a counter for that. But the level I never gave much concern to. So maybe this would be... Um, what i need to like emphasize like oh i leveled up again more frequently right so this is yeah this sounds like a cool deal a good improvement and i think it's already gone live because greg miller was sharing pictures of it he went from level 42 to like 510 or something like that i don't exactly remember what his other level was um but yeah it's it's really cool especially because like you said you don't remember what your level is it's probably partially due to the fact that that number rarely changes too you know what i mean so um really cool there uh next up According to a now-removed French PlayStation blog post, trophy progress is coming in the revised trophy system update for the PlayStation 5. This is really cool. So, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Dom. I could have sworn that both the PlayStation and Xbox had this during their like initial pitch for the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 is something that we'd be getting. Uh, is prog- You can see the progress of trophies and achievements, right? The Xbox had it for the entire generation. It's a really cool feature, and it helps with achievement hunting. And PlayStation never got it, and uh, now it's getting it, which is really cool. I, am I wrong in uh, remembering that, that they talked about this being a thing for PlayStation 4? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> it obviously never <laughs> happened if they did yeah. promise it. Um, so, I don't know. But, yeah, this is this is cool. I'm looking forward to this because, uh, I mean, it's, yeah, first supported games, but at least – in, in this sense, like Xbox kind of paved the way. So probably developers already know how to do this. <laughs> and a lot of them can implement it in new games going forward. Yeah. I want to see some type of change to the achievement system for the Xbox Series X. doesn't need to be anything drastic, but I do wish there was a marker that indicated a completion for a game, right? Because for PlayStation, you have the Platinum Trophy. For Xbox, all you can say is that you got a 1,000 out of a 1,000, you perfected it, right? But there's no indication of like, x amount of completed games and i i would hope that they would add something like that whatever that symbol or icon would be i would Mm -hmm. like to have a tangible like you know whatever that is i don't even know what they would call it um but i would hope that they would add that to the system because we've seen over the years that playstation has done stuff with trophies that xboxes has then implemented and xbox has done things that then playstation has implemented i mean we don't even have trophies without achievements you know what i mean so that's really cool um, I just like that they're learning off of one another and I hope that achievements see some type of evolution as well. Um, and it's, I'm assuming it was removed because it was just too early and it was probably going to be a surprise near launch for people. Uh, probably like a blog post on the official PlayStation blog post, not some French one, but cool either way. That's it for the news this week. Not a whole lot going on. Um, obviously there was some stuff with the Xbox thing that seemed hyperbolic and, uh, mixed reports of heat. And from what I understood, it's like, People didn't understand that a console is going to expel heat. They just assumed that these <laughs> right. cooling systems would mean that they wouldn't expel oh. heat. Th- which then heat got misconstrued into clickbait headlines of the console running hot, which isn't even what's happening. And yeah, it was just a big old jumbled mess of garbage. Um, 
which then obviously fandom Twitter took over and ran with it, no matter what side you fell on. Um, but that's that. It's time for chapter three of Tell Me Why Video Game Book Club. This chapter was called Inheritance, uh, which is pretty indicative of what the theme of this was, which was finding out more about Marianne and who the twin's father was. Um, we started off with Allison's Nightmare. She has tons of guilt over killing Marianne, right? She's tossing and turning in bed, having these crazy nightmares. And at this point, you start realizing that this is a memory thing, right? Dom of like, okay, she's like partially schizophrenic. Her memories aren't exactly memories. They're just her thoughts, right? Her thoughts coming to life, which isn't as reliable as an actual memory. So opening up this chapter, you know, we closed the last one with her hearing the mom say to their father, I'm going to kill you, which then we realized was misconstrued into her telling Tyler that or Ollie at the time. What did this do for you in terms of, oh, yeah, we were right about that. I, this is exactly where things were going. Yeah, I mean, I felt it. I just that whole sequence, I was just, ah, I felt so bad for her. Right. Um, especially as stuff like kind of came to life through other characters um, where and then she later admits, like, yeah, it's, it's everything bad I've thought about myself, but being shouted at me by other people which is like absolutely terrifying and i really yeah. felt that um yeah uh, i was just like oh i just felt so bad for her it was very effective in uh, conveying emotion for I sure i mean we're often our own worst enemies right like the worst thing about humans is that we'll often tell ourselves things we'd never utter to another human being right yeah. we're so mean on ourselves and she kind of manifested that into these things she thought was memories but was really just mm-hmm. you know the manifestation of the darkest parts of herself we then see that allison stayed the night over at eddie's um, because of the fight that her and Tyler had where she just couldn't go through with figuring out more about Marianne. And she went to go stay at her old room at Eddie's house. In the room, uh, I don't know if you... Because obviously the thing would tell me why that we've talked about multiple times is you can explore to your heart's content. You can get as much or as little from the story as you want. And you find out that she actually wrote Tyler a bunch of letters and kept them and never sent them to him. And it was partially out of guilt, which you understand with their relationship, Tyler just wanted her to contact him more. You know what I mean? So... That was kind of heartbreaking as well. Like she did go through the effort of writing them. She just couldn't bring herself to send him, which really sucks. Um, you explore the house. You find out a bunch of stuff. You find out that, like Eddie's got the some number from a girl at a bar or something. It's like, written on a little rip, oh, yeah. piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, you explore the house. You learn some stuff about Allison as well as Eddie. Um, and then it comes to a point where Tom and uh, Michael greet her at the door and tessa wasn't there uh, at least for me i don't know was tessa there for you no no okay i don't know if this was one of those things based on our previous choices if she would have been there or not uh but they greet her and you realize that she's uh you know she got fired essentially when you when she starts talking to michael you realize that she's no longer going to be working there um and i wrote down here because obviously i'm going over my notes i put michael continues to be a plus just a solid dude. Like he shows up, he talks to Allison. He's just the best, best friend you could ask for. Just a rock solid guy. Um, well, we'll obviously at the end of this, we'll talk about the characters and what they meant to us. But Michael's easily my favorite supporting character. Like dude is just phenomenal. Um, next up, Allison has a breakdown, which is kind of scary. Uh, this kind of caught me off guard. I mean, we were leading up to it because she was getting those flashes of her deepest, darkest thoughts. But when the breakdown actually happened, how did you respond to that, Don? So like, yeah, Michael was uh, with her and I, um, <clears throat> it, it gave me the option basically to, um, just kind of like bottle up or like, can like kind of open up to Michael. Um, oh yeah. This is the decision, right? Tell Michael about the memories. Yes or no. Yeah. This was another one. This is one of those choices that I don't like in these types of games because obviously like she, from what we know about Michael, like you said, he seems really cool. There could be more to him. We don't know necessarily how close they are, but like he seems like a great guy, and they seem close enough. And in my head, I'm like, she should tell him. That is what's best for her, right? Would she? I don't know. Probably not. Maybe not. I don't know. So then it had me going back and forth like, I think she should. So I'm going to say yes, open up to him, um, even if that's not necessarily what I would think is the most realistic response for from her. But nonetheless, I said yeah, and I told him all about what she had going on and he was very supportive and helpful without being like without doing that annoying like toxic positivity shit you know or like kind of like brushing he was just yeah he was listening he was there to be an open ear yeah exactly um without like 
like saying he's he, like trying to say that he has the answers or this is you know um, deflecting or anything weird like he was very um like a very good listener like you just said so um that's that's how that that went in my playthrough i agreed with you i told him about the memories some notes i made here which we already talked about that they were manifested thoughts not entirely memories uh we find out that ellie had panic attacks after marianne's death which is something we didn't know about we knew that she had some stuff going on psychologically but this is where she confirmed she had panic like it's an ongoing thing these panic attacks right it's not out of the blue that she's dealt with these and then another line that i caught that i don't know if you caught michael attempted suicide in 2011 mm-hmm. yep so in that conversation he talks about like yeah if i was successful in 2011 i wouldn't even be here talking to you like yeah um which is pretty eye-opening which is sadly not too uncommon for people in the lgbtq plus community because of the things they have to deal with from family and friends you know what i mean of just trying to be themselves additionally a weird statistic I, it's been a couple of years but it's alaska a lot of people like that yeah. like it's one of the highest uh the states with the highest suicide rates um because people are much more isolated there is what i understand but yeah. On top of the the day night cycle being totally screwed too. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh so uh this is where Michael asks you if you want him to go talk to Tyler or not. Like you can choose if like, hey yeah, go talk to Tyler at the house or not. I chose to because I was like, Yeah, of course if it, I want anybody to kind of reconcile things between me and Tyler, I'd want it to be Michael. Uh did you choose to say yes or no? Yeah, I was with you here too because yeah, um Allison and Tyler had obviously ended on a fight and um we're upset with each other, so it seemed like having Michael go uh, first to see Tyler would be a good primer <laughs> to yeah. get them to um, make up, basically. Uh, next up, we cut to the police station because, uh, you know, Allison went to go visit Eddie. Uh, I've liked Eddie for the most part through this game. This is where I kind of had an issue with him. Uh, he mentions that she hadn't had an attack in a while, meaning a panic attack, right? And this is where it kind of lends to her having these throughout her life since the Marianne thing. And then he hints at Marianne experiencing something awful. And this is kind of throwing off the green light in my mind of the thing we talked about of the sexual assault or what exactly happened, right? Like he knew something bad happened to her. He didn't know. And this is where he kind of like is like, uh, you know, let Tyler be. You have to worry about your own life, which I totally understand from a parent's perspective of like he's much closer to Allison than he is to Tyler. So he's going to be like, you need to do what's in the best interest of your life. But at the same time, as somebody playing from the outside, knowing both these characters, I'm like, dude, fuck off. They're twins. They're siblings. Let them go through what they need to go through. It's none of your business. You know what I mean? So this is where Eddie lost me a little bit. I still overall enjoyed the, what he brought to the narrative. but And I don't think what he did here was unrealistic. And that's why it was kind of frustrating to me. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it I kind of it made sense. Like It seemed like, yeah, I was kind of like, yeah, I could see this guy being like this. I wasn't. I was with you. I wasn't really thrilled about his reaction either. And yeah, he was kind of dismissive uh, of, of Tyler, but I get it. It made, it seemed realistic. Um, even though like, I was a bit disappointed too. I was like, eh. uh, then we travel to the docks, which is visually one of my favorite locations. I mean, a, a lot of these locations in this game are so damn beautiful because it is Alaska. Like just some of the sky boxes they have and the exterior. Oh, so beautiful. Dude, everything. Uh, at the house, uh, when you look out on the lake, and the oh, mountain man. behind the lake is like crazy. I want to see that on the Series X, uh, mm-hmm. like in full HDR and everything. Oh my god! Uh, so we go to the docks, and we're going to be confronting Sam, and Allison's going to be asking him because we didn't mention this. She has a conversation with Eddie about who their dad is, and she mentions Sam is Sam our dad, and Eddie's like, "Well, him and Mary, uh, him and Marianne were close, but I don't know if he was your dad, but you can ask him." And then obviously uh, she goes over there and talks to him and you do a couple little puzzles to help him fix the boat or whatever. And then she straight up just asks him, she's like, Sam, are you our dad? <laughs> I thought it was going to be a lot more, but she's like, see, at this point she seems pissed and she just wants to know. And he basically says, I, I'm not your dad, but I wish I was, which I thought was one of the most heartbreaking lines of, and that's not because he, he cares for Allison and Tyler, but he so much so is in love with Marianne. You know what I mean? And that's part of it of like a man being in love with a woman and knowing that she had kids with somebody else. Like he wishes he could have been the father to her kids kind of thing, you know? It's like, oh man. Yeah. Especially and, when you learn about like, yeah, the real dad. And at this point, we knew like they were abandoned by their real dad at least, right? So, um, yeah. And, and Sam did some stuff to try to <clears throat> take care of them, right? But yeah, seeing him was like really. Um, it's really like tough because he's brutally 
uh, like alcoholic and uh he's yep. just like reaching for these empty bottles trying to get another sip of something while you're trying to talk to him and it's just it was kind of hard to watch <laughs> and then you see the note from his cousin saying like hey you're either gonna fix my boat or i'm gonna say that yeah. you stole it and it's like mm-hmm. you're just a town drunk now which is unfortunate because that's one of those tough things is when you see a town drunk i think our our immediate reaction is oh that person doesn't have their life together what are they doing they're so awful but then when you see the human side of it is like when this guy, before the whole thing with Marianne, this guy was, like, over there all the time helping her. Even when she didn't want to see him, he was going out of his way to make sure her car was running so she didn't have any issues. Like, he cared for her so much, but it was that broken heart that kind of tore down his entire life. And then, oh, man. And his marriage, because he, yeah. uh, he was married and no longer is probably because of Marianne, right? So Yeah. You see the note from his son of, like, here's $150, Dad. I heard you were, you know, Mom said you, were, you didn't have a whole lot of money. Um help yourself out with this. I was like, Oh, it's awful. Mm. Um, really well written and like realistic characters, just terrible to, you know, go through. Um, and then at the end of the the conversation with him, you have a choice with Allison of what to tell him. And I chose the, uh, you have to let go of Marianne already, uh, option. Um, which I don't remember what the other option was. Yeah. I I think it was just about, I think it was similar. It was just like the severity of which you, you told him that. Because um, I think I think one I chose... was just to stop drinking, and the other one was specifically you got to let go of Marianne. It was something like that. Yeah, I think yeah. I chose like the, the softer option too of like understanding um, how he was feeling with trying to help him get past it because it was obviously over. Um, instead of just calling him out and being like, "Get your shit together," going with the little softer side, I did too. In that moment, I felt like if Allison was ballsy enough to ask him straight up, are you our dad? I would figure that she would be like, you got, you got to let go of Marianne already, dude. Like, you just got to, you know? Um, yeah. I thought that was really cool, though. So, like, when you first get there and you're helping him out and you're trying to, like, start up that conversation and get to the point to ask him that question. Um, and he keeps on, like, trying to say, like, I'm busy. I'm fixing this. Like, can we do this later? Like, I don't got time. And then she, like Allison, is like hesitant to like just ask him for the, for a while, for a few minutes. And then finally, she just like just says, "Fuck it," and just like you said, gets real ballsy <laughs> and asks him, "Like, are you my dad?" Like just straight up. And he's like, "Oh, we're having this conversation." So, and this scene leads to the reveal of the the attic in the barn. Uh, if you remember from last podcast, I had mentioned if you do the yeah. post credit scene, they talk about this attic area, and I thought it was in the house. Turns out it was in the barn. Um, and he's like, yeah, I helped her build it. She never told anyone about it. It's right above the barn. And he gives them a picture of him building it. And you see where the handle is to open it up. So then from that point, we cut to Tyler at the house. Cause this whole time he's been at the house to himself since Allison and him had that fight. And Michael comes up and he asks him, you know, how are you doing? Yada, yada, yada. You want to fish for a bit? Cause earlier we found out that Michael was like, he loved fishing, right? He had his own personal fishing spot and everything. So they go out to the lake in front of the house or in back of the house, technically, and they start fishing. And uh, this ice is ice fishing. You... In ice fishing, yeah. <laughs> uh, which you do a little bit of ice fishing in a mini game. Uh, you get a trophy or an achievement if you catch all three fish, which I did. I'm hoping or assuming you did. Yeah, they really neat little mini game. Um, and those are just the type of things these type of games add in to give you some sense of gameplay. Um, but you have this conversation with Michael, just talking about. Relationship with Allison, what they need to do, should they move on, yada yada yada. Um, then they kind of start talking about and debating the Juno Coalition of Equality, this center where in Juno where you know uh, Michael got a lot of help from, and he talks about how it like kind of saved his life and was part of the chosen family conversation. And he says that if when they do go to Juno, if uh, Tyler decides to go with them, that he should check it out, right? And this is something that comes back full circle later, but this is just like kind of the, the seeding of that. And then the big decision at the end. Well, it's two different decisions. One, you decide if you want to romantically pursue something with Michael, right? Like how you want to how you want to play it. And then secondly, at the very end, you decide if you want to kiss him or not. Uh, I went full bore. I went fully romantic. I went fully kiss him. Uh, what did you do? I did too. It felt yeah. like it felt like a good moment. Like they were enjoying fishing together and. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. it just I love their connection because Michael is somebody who dealt with stuff even though he's such a positive person. He kind of knows a lot of the stuff that Tyler's dealing with, not in the same aspect, you know what I mean, but they just seem good for one another. And I like the line where he's like, "Yeah, I have to be good to your house. Allison's going to beat me up or whatever he said." Oh, yeah. That was really funny yep. too. Um 
so then this leads to the twins rekindling right we have the scene where allison and tyler come together and you know we got to do what's in the best interest of us and i'm sorry i didn't mean to say anything and they have that whole thing and then they talk about the loft allison presents a picture hey there's this loft we need to check it out and this is where all of the revelations of the story unfold uh most of them anyways uh so we're gonna go through these first up we find out that she was pregnant in 1992 which you're like yeah she had twins of course she was pregnant at some point this was before the twins were born and before she got pregnant with the twins so it's like oh does she have another kid do we have an older sibling and at this point dom i don't know if you felt this way i'm like do we have a secret sibling we've been talking to that neither of us know that we're related did you feel the same way yeah, yeah, and they and they even mention it in the dialogue. Like, do we have a sibling out there in the world? Um, and they're like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he didn't make it, or who knows? Or she gave him up. Who knows? <laughs> the 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 lunatic part of my brain is like, is Michael our sibling? How awful would that be if Tyler just kissed Michael and you find out it's like some Star Wars yeah, stuff, right? Yeah, there. this isn't. Yeah, this isn't a New Hope. <laughs> or, or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you find out that the lost treasure, right? that you often hear in these stories was the baby and she actually lost the baby to a miscarriage, which is awful. Um, not to get too serious, but like in my close family, we've experienced miscarriage and it just is an emotional nightmare for people. Like I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It's a very terrible thing to go through. And from what we read at the Marianne, she didn't even seem to have that significant other to go through it with. It was kind of on her own that she went through miscarriage. Uh, and this happened in Alaska. She had already moved to Alaska to start a new life. So you talk about the isolation and the suicide rate. It's like compounding with miscarriage, being all alone, and it's awful. And after you learn about like her childhood and how she ended up in Alaska alone, because um, it kind of goes into a lot of detail um, when you're reading all those letters of like, she was really well off uh, growing up and was in a ballet and like was initially going to college for like engineering, engineering or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, more scientific and then changed her major to you know, some kind of art, visual um, arts, visual arts. And then eventually ended up dropping out entirely. You, you read, you know, something, a letter from her old boyfriend or we assume or whatever that like um, had gotten her pregnant. And then the worst though was like, um, cause her parents were like furious with her that, that she was pregnant before being married and, uh, and, and that she decided to leave. But like that letter from her dad was just like, Oh man. Oh. We haven't what, talked to you in four years. We hope you're doing well. Uh, just, yeah. Simultaneously, like, letting her know that her mother had just died, but yep. then also telling her, like, screw you because you didn't show up and because you left and this is your fault. Just putting, like, the majority of the blame of her mother dying on her leaving. It was just, like, I was just sitting there, like, reading text on the TV and, like, I was like, this is this is shitty, dude. This is just awful. Um, it, yeah, there's a lot. It was a lot to take in. Uh, and then we kind of put two and two together. This is why she was so protective of the twins is because she had already lost a kid, you know? And that's why she so much so wanted to protect them from the world outside. We find out the, the kid's name is Leo, the, 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 the baby that passed away, um, through the puzzle of putting his name into the treasure box, uh, Leo Ronin. Which, by the way, they have one of the coolest last names. Oh, Ronin yeah. Ronin is such a dope last name. Yeah. Uh, in the letter we find in that treasure box, you realize that she called Tyler Ollie, which is pretty huge in and of itself. Of like, he even says, he's like, oh, she knew. Like, she wrote this knowing that he didn't want to be called whatever his, his original name was, that he was Ollie at this point. And I thought that was really cool because that lends to the book that she had and all the stuff of like, no, she wasn't so hateful and transphobic. Um, it was just these weird misconceptions from a kid's perspective. Uh, and this kind of goes to it too of, you know, she knew he was Ollie and wanted to be called that, which I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. Through all these uh, puzzles too, we find out that, and a lot of the stuff we'll find out why things change. At one point, Marianne and Tessa were business partners together. They were going to open up a business together. There was like a business draft that Tessa had put together for them. And you're like, wow, their relationship got so bad. What happened? Why did they not do this business together? Because... You know, one of the big things for Marianne was not having the financial security. Um, we talked about Eddie's mom last uh, episode, and you were like, Eddie's mom? They mentioned Eddie's mom? Like, what? You end up finding out here that uh, Marianne took care of Eddie's mom when she was dying in her last days. And she even tells her, like, I understand you have two kids to take care of. I don't want to put such a burden on you. But please lo no, let Eddie know I love him. You know what I mean? And yada, yada, yada. And, uh, 
yeah that was pretty tough too because it, it makes everything so complex of like the reason eddie was so good to allison and tyler because he paid yeah. for fireweed is because marianne went out of her way to care for his mom you know what i mean it's kind of um, comes circle comes full circle a little bit there to yeah explain that uh then this is where we get the bombshell we find out because they go to the pier and they try to see who the f- the person was talking on the dock to their mom, and it's Tom Vecchi, Tom, the owner of the store, Tessa's husband. This was crazy. Uh, this isn't something I saw coming. I didn't even think about it. Uh, he was the dark hunter, but there was so much foreshadowing if we look back. Who's somebody who seems like they're giving off the fakest smile or like the fakest sense of positivity the entire game? Tom, mm-hmm. right? And the hunter always has this large, creepy smile on his face, right? The moment we meet Tom, he's at the desk at the front of the store surrounded by guns and other wildlife hunting stuff. So it's like, okay, no wonder the kids would associate him as the hunter because he was had these guns and he was a hunter himself and all that stuff, right? There's so much foreshadowing in this game that we didn't even pick up on, or at least I didn't. Um, explains the Tessa relationship, right? Of like her being so angry towards Marianne. Uh, when they get into the conversation with Tom when he drives to the house, he acts as if Tessa doesn't know. And everyone's like, yo, dude, Tessa's known for a long time. Like, why do you think she had such a riff with Marianne? And he's so oblivious of like, how could that be? Yada, yada, yada. And then the heartbreaking thing is you realize that all he cares about is his election. And that's the only reason he doesn't want this information getting out. But he presents a memory of what happened that night. And it's interesting because part of you doesn't want to believe him because he is such a reckless rat of a human being. That's like, oh, I panicked. I couldn't do anything whenever any sort of danger happens where he could interject and help people. But then part of it is like based on the lackluster confirmation of how accurate the memories are like maybe he was partially right right um so you have this conversation with with tom about him being the dad and just being an absolutely terrible human and then it eventually and if you want to speak on that before you get to the part i'm going to ask you about i'm feel free they go down to the dock and it's there where allison decides was tom's memory correct where marianne was pleading that she loved her kids and she wasn't going to hurt them or was Tyler's memory correct where she was threatening Tyler's life? Uh, go ahead. So, yeah, like you said, I like Tom was – it was a bit of a shock. But then I, as I kind of take inventory of like, wait, I mean we already asked Sam if he was the father. And I never really thought he was to begin with. And he said no. And then like you start taking inventory of like, oh, there's no other male characters in the game. And they're not going to – you knew the father was going to get revealed. But it wasn't going to be a stranger. It wasn't going to be a new character at this point. It was going to be someone we've already met in the game. Tom was the only one left. So I was yeah. kind of like, I should have seen that coming. And in addition to the foreshadowing that you mentioned. Um, so, it, But it was a good um, a good reveal as it slowly panned up to see his face. And you're like, oh, yeah, of course, it's this douchebag. Um, and that then it starts to make a lot of sense with, with uh, everything with Tessa and so on, like you said. But, um, yeah, that final decision as they go back after they're down at the dock and, and or after Tom presented – his view of what happened um and they kind of present it to you like they start questioning even tyler's like i don't really remember exactly how it happened but then tyler says to allison like you have to choose you know what happened basically um like what is the accurate memory to you and then live your life with that whatever it is don't flounder anymore but just choose and then obviously you get to literally choose as a player um so the way it was presented to me I was like, well, I'm going to choose the way that they initially thought and that it was, she did say, I'm going to kill you. Um, Because to me, that was, I don't want to say like it was just the easier choice, but it just seemed like the right choice. And I didn't really trust Tom. And I think maybe what he was revealing was more like, I know that Allison killed her, not necessarily um, what Marianne had said or didn't say. So yeah, I, it was an interesting choice they gave you, but I yeah I went with um, Allison's original memory that Marianne had said I am going to kill you because that to me like I don't know it just made more sense and even if it wasn't what she said like she was still like chasing Tyler to the end of a dock with a double barrel shotgun so like to me it doesn't necessarily matter what she was saying it was still threatening and I don't I didn't think it was right that Allison should be feel guilty for what she did. 
Yeah, it's because uh, I, I love that we can interpret it differently. Because for me, it was so much an easy decision to pick Tom's because I think it was partially the way the writers were trying to trick us into like, oh yeah, of course you're not going to pick Tom's. He's a jackass. Why would you pick his memory? His his you know thoughts of the events because and i think that leans towards the players picking tyler's original memory but for me i'm like reading all this stuff about marianne and everything she went through i just couldn't click the memory that had her be so aggressive towards the kids because that wasn't the marianne i learned to know you know Mm -hmm. so for me it was like oh it's an easy decision i'm gonna pick the one where she approached and the kids were confused and panicked and then this leads to us finding out that, yeah, she was going to commit suicide. She was going to blow her brains out with a shotgun. And that's a little crazy to say it that way. But, like, she, yeah, she was, that night she was set to commit suicide, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the awful thing. She didn't expect the kids to wake up. And you find out that the whole situation in the attic was set up for them to find. And it's the whole reason she read them that final bedtime story that night when she tucked him in was because it was kind of saying goodbye to the princess, which she was. It's just awful. Um, and. That kind of ends that, you know, they come to terms with that. But then we get a, a time jump, which is always some of my favorite stuff. We get a six-month time jump, and this is some of the stuff we learn through Tyler cleaning out the house for the final time and saying goodbye to it. And I wrote down all of them because I thought they were all really cool revelations. So first up, Tyler shaved his head. <laughs> he no longer has the the wavy uh, alternative punk emo hair going on. He just completely shaved his head, uh, which he looked pretty good with. I honestly like the shaved head look more than his wavy hair personally um but yeah it looked pretty cool uh what do you think about the shaved head surprising not a fan not a fan no, he should have he should have uh, kept the lettuce dude <laughs> uh next up tom lost his election yeah fuck that dude <laughs> <laughs> and, and tessa left him thank god yeah tessa left him and he lost the election everything's good everything's turned up millhouse uh next up tyler's getting top surgery in a month which is really cool he mentions that on the phone when he's talking to uh, Allison about moving to Juno. Um, Allison is seeing a therapist, which is really healthy. And I think all people should at least see a therapist once and see if it's something that works for them in their life. Having an outside source to deal with your problems that has no reliance on your life or your decisions is really healthy. And I think everyone should see a therapist at least once and figure out if it's right for you. So I thought that was really cool. Um, next up. There was a goodbye note from Sam, which is kind of heartbreaking. He was like, I know I'm not the best person. I couldn't be the best person to you guys. I just have a lot of issues going on, but I wish you guys the best. I'm like, this dude's going to probably die of alcoholism or something. Uh, One thing we didn't mention, too, is when you were talking to him in the docs, he had a court date for a DUI, Mm -hmm. which I could just imagine that dude dying to a DUI, too, which is sad. Um, That was heartbreaking as well. Uh, Next up, this is when you if you check the car, did you manage to check the car? Before you close the door? Yeah, but all that was in it was, was another statue, I think. Yeah, but you actually see the uh, flyer for the JCE, the Juno Coalition for Equality, which oh, is the thing okay. that him and Michael talked about when they were fishing. And they got a flyer for some, uh, I think it was like gay dance event, or it was it's called something. It was like a gay event happening at it, which is really cool. And there's a note from Denise, who was the receptionist at the police station, and she was like, this is what I was talking about, uh, D. I thought that was really cool. Um, and I think it's like a picture of him and Michael kissing, too, uh, like on a photograph. And then uh, in the car as well, Dom, there's a Master Chief paper craft on the dash. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, dude. So I was looking through the car. I was like, is there anything else I need to see? And there's a really cool little Master Chief paper craft on the dashboard, which is awesome. If you guys didn't know, this is an Xbox exclusive. Uh, so it's nice to see a little hint of that. And, uh, yeah, it was just really cool. I was like, oh, cool, Master Chief, little Master Chief, um, which I thought was dope. So if you, uh, this is – I guess we'll get to that. I was going to say something, but we'll get to that at the end. Uh, Tyler's final monologue talks about grief, how it goes in cycles, right? And uh, this is when he leaves a message for one of his friends that he met at Fireweed. And he talks about, you know, you told me about grief, and it is exactly what it is. And I've learned to, you know, move past that. And you know, if you ever want to talk, let me know. Um because Tyler very much separated his regular life from his fireweed life. And then, you know, once he got to fireweed, he kind of cut off his past life. And then he w- left, once he left fireweed, he kind of cut them off too, you know? He's very, like, focusing on the life he was living instead of the life he had led on, uh, you know, kind of and that was some bridges. That was something he mentioned to Michael when they were fishing. Is that, yeah, because Michael asked about, 
people at Firewood and Tyler said, yeah, some of them are really cool people, but I'm done with them <laughs> just kind of because, like you said, <laughs> yeah. he just decided to just move on and be done with that entirely. So, yeah, it was nice to see um, him having contacted, uh, I forget the guy's name, Aaron or something. Uh, and the game ends with info on the suicide prevention hotline, which is obviously very important <laughs> that if you're ever experiencing anything like this or you know somebody who's experiencing stuff to get on that hotline and call, um, you can save a life. So it was really important. Uh, before we give our final wrap-up thoughts, uh, Dom, I wanted to ask you real quick. Are you planning to go back and clean up all of the trophies and everything? No. No? <laughs> uh, I think I will go clean up the achievements. These games are usually very easy to get, you know, clean them up and get the stuff. And part of me wants a reason to go back and look at some of the scenes and see if I can notice stuff retroactively now that I know the twist at the end of like, oh, there are some more hints while I'm cleaning up the achievements. Um, that might be a good time. Um what else i think that's it let's talk about wrap-up thoughts for me it met my expectations i really enjoyed it uh it wasn't as supernatural as i thought it was going to be there was moments that were much much more horror inducing than i thought they weren't like overtly scary but i was like oh this is real creepy i loved because this isn't something i knew based on the marketing the whole fairy tale storytelling aspect of the book mm -hmm. and how marianne Very told cool. her story through that i didn't know anything about that going in i thought that was really well done. Um, as a non-trans man myself, I thought they handled that stuff really well, but who knows? <laughs> Based on my perspective, it seemed like they handled it well. And overall, I had a good time. I thought the pacing was really good. I thought three episodes was really well, too. It didn't overstay its welcome. And they actually kind of felt like they got shorter. The first one was definitely the longest. That one was like four hours. And the other two yeah. were between two and a half to three hours. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, it, it fit the story, right? So if there's a different narrative, maybe that is three to five episodes maybe that feels better but for this story specifically for tell me why i really enjoyed it and uh i'm thankful for playing it and i really enjoyed doing this video game book club with you yeah no this was cool i really enjoyed this game too um like you said the pacing was really good um and the, yeah the way this story progressed it all like it all just made sense and perfect like it just kind of flowed how so naturally um and then the story itself was uh very different than anything like I, I typically consume um and and i learned a lot and like it gives you it's just another like great story that like helps you understand different people's perspectives who you might not have considered before um and hopefully be like a little you know less ignorant more understanding of certain things um and then like and a lot of different things right um be it uh how we how we pictured Marianne from the beginning of the game to the end um, and Sam and Allison and obviously Tyler, like it was just all the characters are really, um, really well done. And it really like makes you feel different things about them um, and, and understand them really well. I guess like the, like the animations sometimes, especially the facial animations were like janky, which yeah, kind of is like, sure. doesn't, and especially like there's one scene where, uh, as Allison, I told Eddie the truth about, like, Allison was the one that, that killed Marianne, right? <clears throat> Which didn't have much impact on the story, actually, as I thought it might have. But anyway, um, his well, reaction... Well, she killed her, They always, but they thought it was in self-defense. Well, they thought Tyler did it. Eddie did. No, no, no. They always thought Allison did because she took the rap for him. Oh, no, never mind. Sorry, sorry. Right. I'm completely misconstruing. Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it, it gives you the option, just as Allison did, to... to can tell that to eddie finally after like a decade or whatever which is kind of crazy to think that eddie never knew and he, she lived with him and all you know but anyway his um his facial expression afterward was so goofy looking because like that's a bombshell of, of a piece of information and yeah <laughs> that the voice acting is, is super super good and so when it sometimes when it doesn't quite line up with i don't even really think of it as a negative though it was just like uh, yeah, it's fine it didn't it's actually like that take awkward me charm to it i guess partially yeah um and it's one of those things with budget too, right? Of like, obviously yeah. this game is going to have a crazy budget. And mm -hmm. like, I would rather have the animation be funky sometimes, but the writing and performance be great than yeah. the other way around, right? Where, okay, the animation's perfect, but what they're saying, I could give two shits about. Yeah, um, for sure. And it, yeah. it, like I said, it, I don't even know why I pointed out, because it, it didn't even actually like take me out of it at all. Because like the, the, I already, we, we mentioned the writing, but yeah, the performances all around in this were super good. So even though like I brought up like Eddie's goofy looking face, um, the, the voice behind it was super good. And, and the writing of what he said after was just like spot on, um, and how he took it and everything. So, um, yeah, man. And like, this was just a great, um, 
like a great mystery story too. I, I appreciated all of that, like a big reveal at the end of how it all went down and who was who and all that kind of stuff. And, and like you mentioned, a lot of the locations were really cool. Like I enjoyed like just the, the this town they were in, like the vibe of it. it reminded me a lot of Alan Wake, different kind of game, but it had that small town, like weird, isolated kind of feel to the locations. Um, and that stuff just kind of gets me a little bit. So um, I, overall, this this game was absolutely excellent. So I, I I'm definitely glad that we went through this. I recommend it to anyone who likes the Telltale type type games or any of these like narrative driven things like. It just really hit the nail on the head for what it was trying to do. Makes mm-hmm. you want to visit Alaska, I'll tell you that much. The yeah, other thing I exactly. want to give them credit for is I think all of the internal, uh, like, indoors environments felt very realistic. Like, I thought the police station was very well designed. I thought Eddie's house was very well designed. Like, all of the rooms mm-hmm. and stuff feel lived, like, they feel like normal human rooms. Like, they don't feel, like, set up in a video game. I thought, yeah. and that's kind of a hard thing to pull off, too, naturally, to make it feel like a real room. I mean, Naughty Dog's often credited for doing this really well as well, of it just feeling like a natural living home. Um, So they did a good job with that. That's it for uh, Tell Me Why Video Game Book Club. Uh, Who knows, whenever the next Telltale game like this comes out that we're both interested in, we'll probably do one again. I would love for Microsoft to partner with them and, you know, have these games come out, you know, biannually, however long it takes them to develop these, because they are smaller projects, you know? I just, it's really enjoyable. Um I definitely want to get back to Life is Strange 2 because I never finished it. I played the first episode, and then the problem was is the monthly release dates, right? That's another thing I want to give props to tell me why for. Week after week, we would have actually done this every week it released if we didn't have issues ourselves with scheduling. That was the plan initially, and we loved that because it's like, oh, yeah, we got to play all of these in a really orderly fashion. I have to wait months in between, you know? So Yeah, so, like, you got to assume that the whole game was done. Every yeah. chapter was done, and they just intentionally released it in three parts which way better than like that telltale approach where you assume that in between each one they were just crunching to get the, that exactly. chapter out the door which didn't crossing the finish well. line on the final day possible mm-hmm. and it's cool because it's like you know television shows of like yeah some video games are binge worthy where you can you know cyberpunk you can run through 40 hours immediately if you want to but then other episodes release weekly right and that's how this is is like yeah every saturday or whatever it was there's a new episode of tell me why so Really cool stuff. Thank you, Don, for joining me on this. We'll catch you guys next week with, you know, our regular podcasting, talk about what we've been playing normally, and uh, we'll see if there's any other big news. Maybe PlayStation gives, you know, journalists hands-on with the PlayStation 5, or maybe the Xbox. We don't know what else is under embargo, right? I mean, we know everything that hasn't been talked about, but we don't know when those embargoes lift. So could be next week that those embargoes lift on other stuff outside of quick resume and uh, backwards compatibility and all that stuff. So we'll catch you guys next week in episode 210. If you can, please listen to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We're also on Spotify. On YouTube, you can search Controlled Interest. We'll pop right up. Like the video if you enjoy the podcast. Leave us a comment. I try to read every one. Uh, if you want to go over to Twitter, you can follow us collectively at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest abbreviated. You can follow Dom at Dom Zarios. You can follow me at Jared underscore. We'll be back next week talking about all things next gen as we head towards the finish line of these new consoles coming out. We'll see you guys then.